Welcome to Milkmaid's Podcast, the unconventional homesteading podcast. I'm Stephanie from Wyoming. And I'm Tara from Montana. Join us each week as we take a deep dive into an inclusive homesteading topic from canning, dairy animals, gardening, animal husbandry, and everything in between. Hey, Tara. Hey, that was the shortest one yet. It was only six minutes of us talking before we started recording. Of our incessant giggling and chattering. Right. I think this might be a rough episode. It might be. Might be. You're welcome. (laughs) You're a little foggy. I'm a little tired. Yeah. But you know what? At the same time, the topic, I'm glad I'm tired. Yeah. I will be significantly more agreeable. Oh, not so passionate. Yeah, I've decided I'm an intolerable human. (laughs) We'll see about that. We'll see. I'll probably get woken up by then. (laughs) So stick around. For now, who are we shouting out? This week, our shout out goes to Spider City Brewing in Bend, Oregon. I had to pick this one because I love spiders and their logo is actually really, really cool. (laughs) It's a spider. Spiders are my favorite too. I love spiders. Have you been to Bend? No. You've never been to Oregon though, I've never been to Oregon. I just know that I would love it. Although we have been complaining about the mud a lot, so maybe not. Not in Bend. Bend's a high desert. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool place. It's like formed by a lot of volcanic activity. So there's like a ton of volcanic rock and sagebrush. And yeah, it's a really cool, it's kind of a cool spot. It blew up. Bend blew up. It was like this teeny tiny town and then it blew up in like my childhood so oh wow i don't know like 90s late 90s maybe to 2000s interesting and so now it's like a metropolis but right it's uh kind of also known for being a little bit hipstery and yeah it's a fun place to hang out that's why it's a perfect place to start a brewery apparently right? yeah anyways now that we know everything we need to know about bent right thank you for explaining that to me <laughs> I don't know why I do that. (laughs) Spider City Brewing is a woman-owned brewery that was started in 2018. So Melanie and Michelle are twin sisters who met Tammy in college, and they all had a true passion and love for craft beer. And, like, they stayed friends, which I think is really, really cool because twins and becoming a friend with another person is just a really neat occurrence because I've seen it in my own life with my twins so I love that they were able to like keep their friendship together yeah that's awesome so they were all over the world at one point but finally were able to relocate to Bend Oregon and they purchased a house together like 15 years ago there was a sign on the garage that read spider city and the name stuck that's where they started brewing their beer so that's that's where the name came from yeah I always wonder where people get their names because like I struggled so hard naming my farm yeah and it came out like I mean, just like the default is so, un- our, our name is so unoriginal, but <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. That's awesome. I know. And your name is kind of an important part of your business. So something cool like that is really yeah. unique and awesome. So what really makes them stand out is their unique ideas behind the beers. And it really shows in their carefully curated blends. A lot of the ideas were inspired by their travels around the world. So they have one that's inspired by Poland and just all around the world. I really oh, like wow. that. Yeah. Their beers have no sugar or additives, so you can enjoy them according to, like, what you like as far as taste. And currently on their website, they have some really amazing blends. The one that really caught my eye was a cherry wood smoked ale. And they also have some clever ones, including the Grazing Goat West Coast IPA. And it has notes of pineapple and mango. I kind of want to try it, but you can't. I can, though. (laughs) You can. Yeah, cherry wood smoked ale sounds nice. Doesn't it? It would make a really yeah. good like holiday gift too. Oh, for, totally. For your beer. I'm all about people. consumable holiday gifts. Seriously, me too. It's like the it's best. It's literally the best. Right. Yeah. 
And you can shop on their website at spidercitybrewing.com. It'll be in the show, show notes. Or if you're in Bend, Oregon, check them out today. They have a brewery and they also have like an uptown place where you can go sit down and have a nice glass of beer. That's awesome. Yeah, I wish I would have known about them last time. I, I guess I haven't been there in a while, but well, Bend's super you cool. Know. Plan a trip to Bend yes. just to go to the brewery. Right. Because we I said like it. so. Yep. Do it. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to hurry up and push this baby out and order some. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say that IPAs are fabulous for your milk. Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Me and Virgie are going to try it. Right, right. You and the cow. <laughs> Perfect. So if you want to reach out to us, send us a shout out, ask us a question, whatever the case may be, <laughs> recommend some beer to us, uh, mouthmatespodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach us at Milkmaid's Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. And I keep forgetting to mention this, so I actually wrote it down. I hate that. My brain is so bad in the fact that I will not write a grocery list. I just try to go off memory because I think that I could do it. In 32 years, it has not worked, but I still You don't write a grocery list? I don't. No. I frequently do. And whenever COVID's, well, it's actually, I started it whenever I had uh, my first baby, was doing the online grocery shopping. Yeah, that helps a lot. Our teeny tiny little town offers it. It kind of cracks yeah, me up. Yeah, mine does too. It's the best. So frequently I have a list because I'm doing that. I did go into the grocery store today starving, pregnant, and with a semi-cranky baby. So like there's nothing more expensive. No. No. And without a list. Yeah, that's frequently how I shop except yeah. <laughs> I'm not pregnant. It's like I got home and I was like, oh good. I bought ingredients that I need to make like 47 meals with. By the time they spoil in a week. Right. <laughs> cool. Choices were made. Oh, cool. Well, I wrote this down on our show notes here. <laughs> yep. So we have a winter gift guide on our website that I've slowly been plugging away at. And that will be in our show notes that you can click. And essentially, it's like some of our past shout outs that we've gathered. So you can buy from small businesses and give your friends and family a meaningful gift from the heart. Like all of the picks are gifts that anyone would be happy to receive, seriously. And there are several price points. So if you're on a budget, like definitely check them out. There's a lot of smaller things like Tonka bars, things that you can put in somebody's stocking or just have. Or if you're doing like a work gift exchange, maybe look and see something unique like that that is actually supporting people who need it. Totally. I was thinking about the... Um pass my quaddy syrup in the little cute bottles that they have yeah like just get a stockpile of that our i already did that did you really yeah yeah i need to because i need to replenish our personal supply too but our neighborhood this is the first place i've ever lived that does this i don't know if this is normal or just where i live but um our road is like filled with a bunch of people who are super close and not proximity but like to each other right right? like everybody's kind of lived here forever and i kid you not like we'll get like 20 gifts oh my during gosh. the Christmas season right because the neighbors will drop off stuff yeah and in the past I haven't reciprocated so I'm gonna try this year and I thought I might get the little Passamaquoddy syrup bottles and keep yeah. each family a syrup so I got the Passamaquoddy like larger maple leaf bottles and then I also got they sell a uh, pepper that is mixed with like maple syrup somehow oh wow yeah and it comes in a little glass shaker bottle so I got two of those as well and then I saw somebody on TikTok they bought a whole bunch when it was Halloween of the candies and they gave that oh, out yeah. instead of like regular candy. I had forgotten all about the candies. Yeah. They're really good. They are really good. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Thank you for putting that out. That way people don't have to go back and re-listen and all of that. Yeah. It's a good resource. So um, I'll be using it. 
Yes. Again, I'm catering to you. Right. (laughs) I really need it. Yes. I truly need it. So I, because I'm a control freak. I know. We know this at this point. I know this. This is why it works out really well because I'm like, just tell me what to do. I'm happy to do it. And you're like, yes, absolutely. We'll do it just like this. Yes. Right. So I did the icebreaker this time, which is usually your realm, but right. I need a specific answer out of you. (laughs) And we've like, I feel like we've brushed on this. But I'm going to force you to pick one. I did multiple choice. This is how controlling no, I am. No, it says multiple choice. Oh, good. <laughs> it doesn't say multiple choice. I had to leave that because I thought choice was really funny. <laughs> you know what? However, but you just have to pick one. Okay. Multiple choice. Just, just one choice. Just one choice. <laughs> so <sighs> what was your main reason for getting into farming and raising your own meats. So picking one. Option A is better quality food for your family, like chemical-free or more flavor or whatever. Option B is a better quality of life for the animal, so more humane for the animal. Or option C, better for the environment. Because spoiler alert, all three of those things are true when you raise your own meat. Right. I think that... What was your top reason? People get into it for one reason, usually. Like, it's never... One reason usually sparks the research stage. Yeah. So... Yeah. Option B, better quality of life for the animal and more humane is definitely my answer. Yeah. What about you? That was absolutely mine too. Right. Like I had learned about labeling to a certain degree. I think I heard at some point that some state made it to where you can't do caged free or you can't do caged eggs, right? You have to do cage free or something. It was like one of those type of news titles. Oh, the California one. Yes. I don't remember the specific one, but it was something similar along those yeah. lines that it was made me be like, wait a minute, they're caged? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't even know until you know. Right. right. So it was then that I was like, well, at the time I was living on like 80 some odd acres. I'm like, well, we could do chicken eggs better than that. Right. Right. For our family, because the, the chickens don't deserve that. You know, I'm passionate about my birds. Yeah. So yeah, that was absolutely. And, and then, right. So then you get started on that yeah, vein. It's... And of course, option A and C are strong on my heart now as well. Right. But B was absolutely my driving force too. And I think once you discover one thing, it's like a snowball yeah. effect too. Yeah. So you learn about all these other reasons and then you're like, holy shit, cage-free really doesn't mean anything as far as right. humane standards right. or right. vegetarian-fed chickens. Like what is that? Okay, so they can't eat bugs? That's sad. Super sad. They're, yeah. ca- they're little carnivore dragon type animals. They are. So. They're tiny dragons. Yes. Let them yeah. eat the bugs. Totally. So anyways, that question like just plays into our topic a little bit today. Yeah. But I feel like if you guys have a minute to like pause this and think about what your answer is, everybody listening, because I feel like knowing the answer to that helps on the topic today. Right. So anyways, this will make a lot more sense here in a minute. For now, what? <laughs> What have you been up to on your farm? I actually wrote it down again because I always think Mm -hmm. I'm going to remember. Never do. So we are definitely getting ready for cold weather. And it's at that weird stage where all the mud melts by like this time, noon to five-ish. So doing like nighttime chores is terrible because it's so muddy and gross. And yeah, I don't like it. And it's somehow colder. When it snows, it gets, it feels warmer. It don't. It's true. Yeah. Well, Right. I don't know about your temperatures there, but like in, for us in like January, it'll be like negative 30 and not snowing. 
right? Yeah. It, it like can't snow in negative 30. It's too cold. Right. Yeah. So then you're just begging for snow because <laughs> then it's got to be at least in the 20s. It's got to be a little warmer. I know. So I'm waiting for that. And then Doug's going on a hunting trip here soon. So I don't know what we're going to do about freezer space. We're probably going to pull a Brian and go get a freezer somewhere <laughs> if he gets something. <laughs> Luckily, there's time because you can hang it outside if he gets yeah. an elk or a deer, whatever. But that's on my mind, I guess. And right now, it's just so hard to keep the cow's bedding clean. So if anyone has ideas for that, I know there's like a way that you can make it so they can only go in forward, lay down, and then they have to back out of where they sleep. But I think that my cow would not sleep in it. I don't know. Yeah, like a bunk. Yeah. Are you talking about keeping the bedding clean because of the mud or because of poop? Poop. She's horrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you could do it like a bunk for sure. I just need to figure that out. I just... And then I'm like, will she sleep in it? And then will the calf go in there and poop? I don't know. It's a whole. And the calf is almost the size of her. So maybe the calf will use one too. I just need it to be clean because it's driving me insane having to like, straw is not cheap. So putting new straw in there right. all the time is annoying. The area you have for them is so big. You're going to have is. to sacrifice area because the bunk needs to be like the size of a milking stanchion. Yeah. You know what I mean? A right. A little bit wider, but. Yeah. And I don't mind sacrificing space for it because it'll keep her clean. Right. So yeah, I'm going to have to figure something out. You could just do like a T-post and panel or something just to see if it'll work before you build, build, build something. something. Yeah. 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 That's what we do a lot. Like all of our pens along our barn are all T-posts and cattle panels. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? If we like them and they're going to stay here, then we'll do mm-hmm. good fencing. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. So I need to figure that out. And then Dixie was supposed to be in heat Sunday. And it doesn't seem like she came in. The reason it's confusing for me is because she was cycling with her daughter at the same time. So, right. And that calf... Daisy's like horrible. She just like jumps up on Dixie all the time and they just go into hard heat. So it's hard to detect. But I think that she is fine because she never dropped in milk production around that time. There was no lead up to it. But we'll see because the vet's supposed to come at the end of this month, November, and just pray check her and then give Daisy all of her shots so my son can show her in 4-H this year at the fair. So we'll see at the end of the month. Yeah, totally. And like... The thing, she never did stand, right, for Daisy. Daisy no. kept mounting her, and she yeah. was like, okay, enough. Not about it. And then yeah. they kind of, like, become obsessed with another cow if they're with a cow. Yes. And Dixie never did that. But she's also yeah. a cow that's more concerned about food always, so it's one of those things. But when the bull was here, she was kind of in, like, that heat trance that they go into, and she never yeah. did that with a calf. So I think that she yeah. is pregnant. That's really exciting. Yeah. So we'll have a July calf, which isn't ideal, but it just worked out to be that way. Well, I mean, like, there's no perfect time to have a calf, but I'd rather have one in July than in January. Yeah, that's true. Personally. Right. Personally. So, no, that's all. I think that's awesome. And it's always good that you, your vet can come out and check because then you'll know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked out to where she will be able to come here and do more than just a preg check. So I'm not just... Yeah doing that and spending the money for that and then I think I'm gonna go ahead and vaccinate all of the breeding herd for the pigs and just get that done with so I don't have to buy a big bottle of pharaoh shirt I can just have the vet do it which is cheaper in the long run if she's already here like right she's just gonna charge me for the medication so and she carries that yes she's amazing she carries everything you make me so mad (laughs) I have the world's best vet seriously (laughs) I call, we have like four vets within our like, what's reasonable to drive. Yeah. 
either hadn't heard of Ferrocher at all or didn't have it. Nope. It's one of no. those ones that most people don't carry. Again, pigs well, are... Well, pigs don't get... Yeah. They don't get any attention. They're kind of one of those animals that nobody really cares about, which is sad because there are a lot yeah. of things that you should vaccinate against, so... Right. And I used to carry a bottle, but when you only have three breeders, it's not really fiscally right. the best. So... Yeah. If she can do it, that's great. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. What's been going on your farm? Well, it's been overall pretty quiet. Uh, today's Tuesday, so this week hasn't really... Started yet. Started that much. Right. Um, last week, I pretty much just sat around and felt sorry for myself. As you should. It was a tough, my tough time dog for you. passing. I really had a hard time with it. So yeah. I didn't do any extracurriculars at all. We just... Um, Hunkered well, down. Well, that's not true. We were at the house, A, because I was feeling sorry for myself, and B, uh, I have this sort of gift that when stuff starts going bad, I just add a lot more work right. to my load. Yeah. That way I make sure I get gray hair or something. But yeah. it actually turned out to be really good because I potty trained last week too. Yeah, you did. You um, really nailed that. Which I mean, it, right. She's doing fantastic, but we're obviously not officially. You know what I mean? Right. Like we did not potty train in a week. We're still going, but she's doing amazing. Yeah, she is. And it's been like, it was a struggle for the first two days. And then she was like, oh, it was like light bulb. Right. She's like, oh, moment. it doesn't, it has to go there. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. She's such a clean little kid, and then she like um, is very particular about things being just so. Yes, I don't. I don't know where helps. she gets it from. It's right. weird. <laughs> weird. <laughs> weird. I have a teeny tiny control freak in my house. I don't know where she gets it from. So that'll be fun when she's older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh! So the only like kind of, I mean, obviously farm stuff still went on. Like we still did chores and everything. You but... don't get the option to not do it. No, no matter how wasn't... sad you're feeling. That's no. the hard thing. Yeah, it was awful. I like cried through milking for like two whole chore sessions. Oh. For she's like, what is happening? Right. Sad. Oh my gosh. So yeah, but we did. We Brian mostly finished processing the cow that got bloat and died in front of us a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So uh, what we learned from that is there's not much meat on a mini jersey that you didn't feed up appropriately. Right. So uh, it was one of those things that was like, like beef carcasses are huge, even minis. Like Yeah. The carcass is just a – it takes up a lot of space. It looks like it's a lot of meat. Yeah. And as you're pulling it off the bones, you're like, oh. Okay. This is not nearly as much no. as I thought. So anyhow, we put it all to good use. We did end up grinding all of it. Oh, you did? Um, yes. So we cut out the steak chunks, and it was just like solid red. Like there wasn't an ounce of fat. And marbled. Not even – no marbling, no, like... Well, she was young, too, and not finished. She was two and a half. No, she's, she's one and a half, I think. When was she born? Last year. Was it? Yeah, she was only one yeah, and a half. Yeah, she was one and a half. Yeah. I love that yeah. I know this. Yeah, no, like, I don't do time well. No. <laughs> You're usually really good at keeping a track of my timeline, ironically enough. Yes. Yeah, so she wasn't, yeah, very old, but... um yeah, there was just no fat anywhere to be no. found. And she looked great. She looked in great... She, from the outside, she looked fat for a dairy cow. She really she did, did, yes. Like when she was alive. Yeah. But on the inside, I mean, you know, like a New York strip steak? Yeah. Has, typically has like a good capping of fat on it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was like barely visible. Oh. <laughs> no Poor fat thing. anywhere to be found. So... Uh, we just kind of made a judgment call. We're like, these steaks are going to be awful. Yeah. And you can always use ground beef too. So yeah, no loss yeah, there. Totally. So we ended up mixing some pig fat in there. Perfect. Cause yeah, you need fat. No fat anywhere to be found. Right. 
on that cow. So at least you had anyhow. it. What's that? You had the pig fat. That's helpful. oh yeah. No, I had the pig fat, and there was moments where I was like, "This is insane for what we're getting out of it." As mm-hmm. far as like ground beef, you know what I mean? Yeah. Brian and I kept talking about it. I'm like, it could have been completely wasted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So it is kind of frustrating because if we would have had the chance to feed her up, it could have been a lot better. But also, it could have been wasted entirely by just finding our dead in the pasture. Exactly. So. Anyways, that's one of those things where you just take the positives where you can find exactly. them and, and put it in the freezer. And you did. So congratulations. Did. So, so that's done. That was good. I was worried. Well, you know, I was worried, worried <laughs> about that whole situation. So what are we talking about this week? <laughs> right. <laughs> Grass fed versus grain fed. It kind of worked out this way. We had it lined up for this week. Well, this is what this is what keeps happening to us. I know. Every time we talk about something, we put something out into the universe. And it happens. Yeah. Like this one in particular, we had this scheduled this week, this topic. <clears throat> right. And by scheduled, when did we do that? In September? Yeah, it was September. No, it was August. No, it was September. Was you September? were here. Okay. Let me yeah. be in charge of time. Well, no, right. <laughs> you do. <laughs> How many peoples ago was this? So, yeah, we had it scheduled. So that was one way we put it in the universe. And then like the week before this happened, I opened my mouth on the podcast. I'm like, yeah, I really want to learn processing. Yeah. So our topic this week is grain fed versus grass fed and... Spoiler alert, it's not nearly as clear cut as you would think. So right. this will be a one-parter. I always like set it up to where it's dramatic. It's not that yeah. dramatic, but I definitely thought researching this that it was going to be like, okay, so this is what it is and this is what it looks like. End of story, you know? It's definitely Anyways, not black and white. No, it's definitely not, which kind of makes it a fun thing to talk about. It does. We're going to just jump right in with some terms. We're going to start the episode with misinformation. <laughs> the- <laughs> not on our part, but everyone no. else's part of misinformation. No. You know us. We can't let anything alone. (laughs) I hate it when, yeah, because I am so type A, I hate it when things are so gray like this. So there's no federal standard for what grass fed is or isn't. Right. Right. The terms as I define them here are kind of like just like a general understanding that most people kind of understand to be the case. There is no authority saying this is what it is. Yeah. Right. Um, And to some degree, someone may interpret each one of these things slightly differently, but We've got to start somewhere, right? So grass-fed is the term for a cow that was fed grass, pasture, or forages its entire life uh, from the growing phase through the finished product. So they go from milk to forages to processor. Grass-finished is a slightly different term. Now, this means that the cow may have received grain during the growing phase, but was fed grass the last several months. Or sometimes just several weeks. It depends on whatever the processor deems is their finishing time. Usually a couple months. Yeah, it's like 60 to 90 days sometimes. It just really depends. It really does depend. Yeah, Yeah. because I saw everything from two weeks to like six months. Wow. So yeah, it depends. So, but if you see a product that says grass finished, that doesn't mean it never had grain. Right. That's all. Grain fed then, on the flip side, grain fed's what 80% of our commercial production is. Um, They're fed grain on the high, see this is where it gets so silly. On the high end, they're fed grain from weaning to harvest. Right. Sometimes they're only fed grain at the end, in which case that's kind of called a grain finished option. It's the same as the grass finished. It pretty much just means that the last section of their lives is fed grain. Whereas the rest of their lives was probably a forage or a hay or a grass type situation. So then now that we kind of have that, those terms out of the way, we're going to delve into a little bit of the pros and cons of grass and grain fed. So grass fed, a typical pro of it is that there's minimal equipment 
required unless you are doing your own hay, in which case you'll need haying equipment. Minimal inputs, again, because they're just out on pasture. You do get a premium price for grass-fed. Yeah. It's two things. Some of it is marketing. Yeah. Most of it is marketing, 100%. But the reason that marketing has to be there is because it's significantly more expensive to produce. Is it? Because you have to grow the cows out so much longer. Oh. Yeah. So grain-fed, the reason that people grain-feed a lot of times is, I mean, that's, we'll get into flavor and some of the aspects of the meat composition, but kind of the reason on a commercial scale that the grain fed started in is because it speeds up the growth of the cow, which means they can process sooner. No different than the Cornish cross. Like Mm -hmm. you can just pump them out, get more through your facility, more through your business, more profit, right? Right. Which is definitely, I mean, probably something to consider regardless, but that's just definitely more how a corporate type of an operation goes. For sure. Yeah. So, um, but then the premium price, so right, both it costs more and then the marketing for grass-fed has been phenomenal at getting that price. It's potentially better for the environment. And I I say the word potentially because of the scale of what grass-fed may or may not mean um, and how it's carried out. If if grass-fed is carried out to the the degree in which when you close your eyes and think of what a grass-fed cow looks like, if that's how it's carried out, it's 100% better for the environment. Um, right, regenerative agriculture because yeah, they're yeah, it can eating, be really cool, sequestering carbon, that kind exactly. of thing. Exactly, exactly. So um, that's not always the case, which is why I kind of put it as a potentially. But I know a lot of people here; they'll just feed hay the entire time. Nothing wrong with that because my cow is on hay twenty four seven all the time. Right. But they're marketing it, marketing it as grass fed, and people are thinking, right, a beautiful cow or steer right. or bull on a beautiful meadow. Right. It's like the happy cows come yes. from California picture. Right. That's right. what you see. But mm-hmm. it's meanwhile, they're in like a tiny pen that's all mud with yeah. hay. With hay. And yep. it's technically grass. So yeah, grass fed. Right. Technically. <laughs> yeah. Right. And there's no one to tell them that's not okay. Right. So the more natural for the cows, I did natural in air quotes too, on account of the fact that what you just said. If they are out on pasture grazing like they were intended to do, absolutely more natural. Right. If they're standing in mud eating hay, not more natural. So the concept of grass-fed can be amazing for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So cons, though, uh, environmental exposure, which is something that you don't think about until you are raising meat. Um, Specifically for me was chickens really pointed out to you quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yeah. Um, I thought about it with pigs. If those animals are exposed to elements that slow their growth in any way, whether that means they're cold and they're shivering, so they're not putting on weight when they're shivering. No, they're, um, all they're their calories eating. are going to keeping them warm, and then you're yep. feeding them extra. Yep, and they're not eating as much because it's cold, so they right. have to leave that one little sheltered spot for cold or what have you. So anyhow, the elements... And heat, too. Heat can slow them down in eating. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. they're going to go to the shade all day. Exactly. Yeah, so the elements... Um, can definitely slow them down. Another con, as I mentioned, they are longer to finish. You absolutely need more land right. to do this appropriately. Uh, they're expensive to produce because of the longer grow out time. And unless you trust the farmer entirely, you won't know what exactly they're being fed because forage can mean a whole hell of a lot of things right. that we'll kind of get into a little bit more. That's like a rough, it's a hard thing when the scale on what grass fed is, is so large. It's a hard thing to right. boil down into bullet points. But so grain fed or the conventional method is typically a, just a high energy diet. It's rapid finishing and they reach the weight much earlier than their counterparts 
their grass-fed counterparts, um, which means more beef can be produced on less land. So the pros of this is bigger gains, right? You're just you're just physically pumping out more product, shorter duration, and a premium price compared to the grow-out time. Right. So I know I put premium price on the other pro list too, but specifically when you compare it to the grow-out time. Like you're saving uh, money because it's less time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're feeding different stuff, but for less length of time. Yeah. So cons, um, if you think about the worst of this being like a feedlot, you're looking at higher concentrations of NPK, so nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, because the cows are just kept in higher concentration, which means more manure. And all of that waste has to go somewhere. Yeah. Right? Which is why you can smell if you're in a town with a feedlot. Yeah. As you're driving. I kind of actually don't mind it. I guess, you know, when you're raised like us, you smell that and you're like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of riding my horses or whatever. It's kind of a smell. I'm sure it's not great for the environment, but. No, you don't mind the smell if you're growing up with it, I guess. Right. It's, it smells a little bit farmier. Yeah. Yeah. It always makes me sad. <laughs> it right. Makes me sad. Yeah. Feedlots are kind of one of those double-edged swords. Like, yes, we yeah. need to feed everyone, but like this is really bad. So yeah, it sucks for the cows. Yeah. The expensive grains is also on the con list. Um, and kind of the reason that that is on there is less because of the fact that they cost money and more based on the variability of the cost of the grains yeah, each year right that it just kind of makes it a hard to predict market it right? is yeah which kind of makes it hard and then con some people would put this on the pro is just the increased fat tallow baby right exactly there's a lot <laughs> to be used with it so taste we can't go without talking about taste right and this yeah. is actually very variable compared to the people that are tasting it i think because i have one preference and stephanie has another so let's get no, into totally. it. Grain fed usually leads to like a higher level of marbling and this gives a, the beef a slightly sweeter taste and grass fed steers are typically leaner and have a more mineral heavy taste that is described as like meaty or gamey, which I actually prefer personally. This this episode idea was Terrace and I was like not about it. Yeah. Like cool, I get to out myself as being the literal worst pastured farmer <laughs> ever because I don't like grass fed beef. And when I say I don't like grass-fed beef, grass-fed beef, I find it inedible. Yeah. Like, I have give, given an entire steak to my dog before. Um, Which absolutely kills me. Brian can make his way through it. Uh, he's also a garbage disposal and refuses to let things go to waste. Yes. So he'll eat something even if it tastes completely disgusting. Oh, man. Uh, whereas I'm like... I, I will throw up if I continue on this path. Yeah. What I've learned through researching this, though, is you don't have to be a bad pastured farmer if you don't like grass-fed right. beef because it doesn't have to be that black and white. It doesn't. But yeah, it the, the flavor is wildly different. And depending on your taste buds, because there's people who can't stand grain-fed too. Yeah, it's just a mm-hmm. weird concept for yeah. me to eat. I don't like the fat, how it tastes, but I like the fat. We have a grass-fed steer in our freezer. And I adore this meat, but I never cooked it when Stephanie was here because I didn't want to hear it. (laughs) Don't want to waste it. No, no. And that's fine. Like everyone has a preference and that's totally fine. So I guess hopefully we can empower you to like whatever you like. It's just something you need to know about because when I first started learning about my food, I mean, I wanted to get like all of the good food, period. Like I wanted my dairy to be good. I wanted my poultry to be good. You know what I mean? I got my milk from a share, like this whole nine yards. I had no idea that there was, there would be a flavor difference. 
Right. So yeah, just be aware that it exists. Buy one steak instead of a half of a cow, just to make sure before you right. buy half of a cow. Right. Yep. So texture, the texture is really interesting too. The fat content on the grain fed usually leads to like a moister, softer cut of meat. And grass fed is like leaner and that leads to like a drier, chewier meat. And so health benefits. Grass fed leads the charge on like extra health benefits. It's something that you really find in like health food stores next to the soy meat supplement. You'll find grass fed (laughs) beef. It's so strange. Right. Yeah, it's definitely marketed as extra health benefits. Right. Air quotes. Grass that is said to have fewer calories, higher levels of of omega-3 acids, and greater amounts of conjugated linoleic acid or CLA. However, this is like highly disputed. It seems like all pro grass-fed information will link to the health benefits as the reasons to buy. So all the information we could find said that there are more omega-3 fatty acids but it is minuscule and definitely not enough to affect human health. Obviously, it would have less calories with less fat. This just makes sense. Less fat means less flavor, but also less calories. Yeah, and the word flavor is hard. Right. Because that's just, flavor is the word used to describe flavor, right? Let's get really out there for a moment. But if you said something doesn't have flavor, that means it's bad, right? That's not necessarily, as we were talking about the, the taste, it's not necessarily the case. But the, yeah, the health benefits seem to be very, like, if you're pro, then this is the fact. And if you're against, then this is the fact, you know? And then less calories. Like, who decided that, that everything needs to have less calories to yeah. be beneficial? Obviously, you want to eat calories because calories keep you going during the day. I don't know. The whole less calorie thing doesn't make sense to my brain. Like, animal fats, calories are good for you. They're good for your brain right. development. So, I don't know. It's such a strange thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. And that's why... I think sometimes with these things of like the health benefits, it's hard to make those stark claims because I feel like it changes so frequently of what's healthy for us and what's not. Right. Right. It's like no one seems to really understand our digestive tract thoroughly enough to say what's what. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I think the take home point though, grass fed does have more, might not be enough to matter. Right. So, I mean, we've been like kind of touching on this skirting around it. You simply can't, put beef into a box as either grain fed or grass fed. Like, even though that's what we titled the episode, you've got to start somewhere, <laughs> but we just catfished huge, you. Right. <laughs> We're the worst. Oh. It's a huge sliding scale of how beef's produced. So you could have like the worst, which is like a calf's born removed from its mom, kept in a calf hut, like a three by four foot pen shipped off to a feedlot where it's kept its entire life shoulder to shoulder with other cows in knee-deep shit, only fed milk and grain its whole life. Okay? Gross. We don't like that, right? Nobody likes that. No. Nobody likes that. On the opposite end of humane, you can have a cow that's born in a field of grass, kept with mom, weaned with 50 of its closest friends into another (laughs) pasture of grass. Its entire life is spent at 60 degrees sunny, knee-deep grass, plenty of shade trees, and a fresh stream, right? Like, that can happen as well. Here's the thing. Most beef is somewhere in the middle of that. I would say both of those scenarios are very rare. Some cows spend their entire life on pasture and go to feedlot for a couple months. Yeah. And some cows spend their entire lives on pasture, knee-deep in grass, in perfect conditions, with the addition of grain, which would classify it as grain-fed. Exactly. But it had the same quality of life as a grass-fed cow. Right. Or what you would think of as a grass-fed cow, right? And then there's some, like the guy you were talking about, keep some 
in feedlot conditions, but feeding hay. Right. Right. So it's all over the place. At that point, it's a hard thing to to kind of nail down. Again, I mean, like this is going to come as a surprise to nobody, but like we're going to preach that you just need to know your farmer. Yeah. Obviously. And almost all the ranches here have a mixture of something and they're doing a phenomenal job. Excellent right. job. They're right. benefiting the surrounding areas. They're yeah. improving waterways. They're sequestering carbon, like everything you need. You just need to know them. You need to see them. It's just yeah. that kind of thing. So how do you decide which one to pick? First, you need to decide what you will eat. Like try a steak from both grass-fed and one from grain-fed. Have like a little party with your family where you do a blind taste test because actually that's really fun. <laughs> we love it. It's we so love fun. It. It's science. Yeah. It is. And if you can't tolerate the grass-fed flavor, then you need to look into the grain-fed one. So if you enjoy the grass-fed flavor, then skip the grain-fed and look into the grass-fed. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's what we did. Mm -hmm. My husband can eat it. I can eat it, but we like it. And Stephanie and her husband do not like grass-fed, and they know that. That's awesome. It's And it's so funny, too, how you guys, and maybe that's just what it boils down to. Because, like, obviously you and Doug found each other for different reasons. Right. Other than your your beef preferences right like <laughs> i i mean my tongue is bleeding but the could joke. you imagine going on the tinder and being like i'm looking for a man who likes grain-fed very beef particular about my meat <laughs> and freedom ranger chickens you have to fit oh this God. qualification <laughs> right but what's interesting about it to me is like, right, obviously that was just like something you guys happen to have right. in common, right. right? And like it happened in the reverse for Brian and I, yeah, right? Because it would be a giant pain in the ass if he hated grain-fed right. and I liked grain-fed. Could you imagine getting two different cows or steers no. and having to cook up two different steaks every night? No, thank no. you. No, it would be a pain in the ass. But it makes me wonder, because you both grew up in like northwest montana right where hunting is so prevalent yeah then maybe like it does come down to a taste bud situation yeah because we're used to eating wild game mostly like we both prefer elk is like our top tier food yeah so and not that's not the case for you all no and like both brian and i have had elk and deer at different points yeah just not a lot of it i but like i remember enjoying it for what it was yeah i think for me some of it is like i'm just so (laughs) i'm really annoying in the sense that like things have to be what they are and to further my point here when i eat a plate of food i don't mix yeah my food and i will eat all of one item until it's gone wow and then move on to the next and my reason being is because whoever prepared that meal i mean most time it's me right but like Say I went to your house and you served me a plate of food. You did not put the green beans and the mashed potato and the steak into a bowl and mixed it up and then served it to me, right? No. You served it to me on a plate right? with the intent that the green beans would be enjoyed for being green beans, right? Okay. Um, so that just kind of shows you my psychopathy. <laughs> I'm a little crazy like that. And potentially that's what it boils down to is I just don't want my ta- my beef to taste like game. Because I like Wild deer game. and animal. Or, yeah. Yeah. I've even had antelope. I like that too. Yeah. So it's not that, yeah, it's just a weird, it could really just come down to me being a psychopath. I just really want somebody to put on Tinder that they prefer grass-fed beef or (laughs) grain-fed beef and then like screenshot it and send it to us, please. Some of our listeners have to be single and dating online. Absolutely. Please do this. I want to know. Please do it. (laughs) You're going to save yourself a lot of trouble. So you need to decide what your motivation is for even thinking about this decision Because chances are good you have a reason to take care or you wouldn't be thinking and researching or listening to this even. And if you're producing it, like you need to think about like what you want. Do you want grain finished or do you want grass finished? Like you need to explore those options before.
before it comes time. Right. And this kind of cycles back to our icebreaker question. Right. Yeah. Your motivation. And you're right. Potentially consuming the meat yourself in your home is a lot different than if you're a producer. Right. Because then you need to know not only your taste, but your market's taste. Right. Yeah. And maybe it only comes down to flavor. Like, great, this is super, super simple. You know that you like grain finish, so you're going to grain finish. And then maybe it only comes down to whether or not the an- or not the animal was raised humanely. That's fantastic. Find out what that means to you. Do you want your cow raised on only grass or your steer raised out on only grass? Do you care how big their enclosure is? Does it matter to you if the cow was raised, like bottle raised as a calf or not? And maybe it comes down to like environmental reasons, which is a huge push recently, which is great. And if this is the case, you may want to avoid avoid beef that was ever part of a feedlot, or you may not want grain-fed beef because of the issues with monoculture production. Or to phrase it in a more positive way, you want to like pasture-raised, grass-fed, rotationally grazed beef because you know how beneficial to the land a proper grazing program can be and how it sequesters call, like carbon mon- not carbon monoxide, how it sequesters <laughs> carbon and yeah. actually improves the land and in- right. increases like bird populations and bug populations and everything yeah. like that. 100%. Gra- land is meant to be grazed. It, it was before is. we got involved. Right. Yeah. So yeah, like that's just kind of goes back to our icebreaker. Just knowing some of those motivations can help you if yeah. flavor isn't, isn't a huge driving factor for you. Even if flavor is a huge driving factor, you can still dial it down into one of those numerous options in the middle. Right. Yeah. So with all of that being said, we have to talk about greenwashing. This is absolutely a thing that everyone tries to ignore. Yeah. And I hesitated putting it in here because it really does need its own episode entirely. Really does. But it, like, we can't talk about this without talking about it. And greenwashing was not a term I was familiar with until I got into farming. Yeah. And I don't think that a lot of people are familiar with it. Again, they think it's so black and white. Like either you're doing it all correct and helping the earth or you're just destroying the monster. Yeah. There's no in between, but there is. Right. So greenwashing is defined as disinformation disseminated by an organization so as to present an environmentally responsible public image. So this is to say that an organization is benefiting from looking like they're green when in fact they're skirting the boundaries. And what's interesting is I didn't know about it until farming, but it honestly happens in almost every industry. Yeah. It, it's not limited to farming. If, if your industry affects the environment, spoiler alert, it does. Right. Um, Everything does. Yeah. Greenwashing is possible. So I threw an example here for the poultry business because I feel like more people are more familiar with chicken. Right. Than That's they are. been Chicken's like the big... Been- uh, information. Like there's exactly. always documentaries on it. Yes. Because yeah, chicken's such a more accessible to every socioeconomic, more people than uh filet mignon, right? Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so it just seems to be more familiar to people, but in the poultry business, it happens a lot of different ways, but like the term free range or pastured are used all the time. And these terms mean something in the customer's head. Right. Like we were talking about. Like you close your eyes and you have an image of that bird. Yeah. Like a brown bird on a green grass. Granny's house while she's feeding it breadcrumbs in her little skirt. Exactly. Her little skirt. Yes. Um, And to those of us small scale farmers taking it seriously, it absolutely means something. Right. But there's big producers who are robbing these terms that mean that the bird is kept in a quote unquote pasture. And by that, they actually mean like half a square foot of bird on a dry lot still shoulder to shoulder with each other, still right. living in their own poop. And the sun shines um, down on them. Like there's right. 
Nothing's a certain different, amount honestly. of sunshine that is able to hit them during the day. Yeah. So now they don't even have any any shade. It's just no. <laughs> no. It's just a building without the building, you right. know. So, but they're benefiting off of that label, right? They're right. benefiting off of the work that the pastured poultry people are doing. And the advertising that the pastured poultry people are doing, because now that's what a customer sees. A customer sees right. birds in the tractor. A customer sees granny feeding her bird in the green lawn, right. right? And then they're willing to pay an extra price for that, even though yes. it's the same damn thing. Exactly. Right. And so that is greenwashing. So the exact same thing happens in the beef production too, where people are claiming grass-fed and are keeping them in feedlot-type conditions. That's right. not what the customer has in mind. So the kind of the problem with some of this is is that there's no organization overseeing and mandating the term grass fed, which people are like Stephanie bitches about the government all the time. Um, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I get it. You know, uh, iron sharpens iron. Like if you don't complain, <laughs> they're never going to get better, right? Right. I get it. It's one of those things where yeah, I can absolutely get on my pedestal about no government involvement, and then at the same time, I'm like. Why is nobody doing anything about right, this? Right, And there is. We'll get to We'll end this on a happier note. So the USDA did used to have a standard, but they withdrew it in 2016. But because we are talking food labels, of course, they have a fee and paperwork used to acquire the term grass-fed, Yeah. right? Um, and as a small farmer, this is something I didn't realize until I started my business. Be careful and do research. Don't just draft up a label. And that goes for anything you sell from right. your home. Not just yep. me. It's literally everything. Like you got to be sure that you're not making claims on there that you can't 100% back up. Yes. Like claims, like a lot of things you can't say this has this health benefit. Right. But then also you would think if you fed your cow grass, you could say on there, this cow was grass fed. Right. Nope. Term grass fed is copyrighted, right? Yep. Yep. Just like A2, the term A2 or- milk is yep. copyrighted. Organic. Yeah. So you yeah. have to be really, um, we're not, obviously this isn't about well, it is about labeling. The last Don't it's not sue about labeling, us. but just uh, do some research because that's something I definitely didn't know. And I see it all the time where people just don't know that they're yeah. not supposed to be doing that. Right. But you know. Yeah. And again, <laughs> supposed to be or not supposed to be. I am relatively loose with breaking the law. Um, the problem is, is they can take everything you have. Right. It's not for worth having it. that word on your label. So right. just be careful. So the paperwork required to do the grass-fed label, right? This is overseen by the USDA's Food Safety Inspection Services, um, and it's all just paperwork. Like, there's 16 employees overseeing half a million label requests a year, so there's absolutely no inspections going on. If you fill out your paperwork appropriately, you get it. That's yeah, really all there is to it. If you have a good lawyer, you're going to get it. That's all that matters. This leads to a label that means virtually nothing to customers, but unfortunately only to the customers who know, Right. right? And it tricks a lot of people into thinking they're supporting good farming practices when that very well may not be the case. Right. And that's kind of the harm that's done by greenwashing. Because the point is, the point in these green terms and getting premium price for the green terms is paying for the green practices. And Tara and I, like we do a shout out every week to support a business that's doing good. Yeah. Right? Like buying is important to us. And we know you guys care about your food too. So greenwashing doesn't piss you off to do some more research on it because- <laughs> It really does piss me off. Well, the next part really pisses me off. So you take it. Okay, organic. Like this is something you see on a labels a lot. Again, with mm-hmm. health food things or even like vegetables that are organic. We're just going to cover. It's everywhere. Like grass-fed, organic. So it's super common to think that because it's grass-fed, then it must be organic. But 
Not all grass-fed cows are organic, and this can be applied to either grass or grain-fed. Most organic yeah. beef is actually grain-fed, surprisingly enough. And yeah. actually two-thirds organic beef is grain-fed. So the definition of organic is it's raised under organic management. So cow's pregnancy, the fetus, cow life must be organically raised. So that means no yeah. antibiotics, organic feeds only, and at least 30% of ruminant animals' forage needs must be met through pasture, so foraging. And grain finished are excluded from this requirement during the last 120 days of their lives. And so the processor must also be organic. So there's this interesting documentary. I can't remember the name, but it followed like ranchers throughout their daily lives for a couple months. And this guy had a ranch with all these cattle and it came to the time where they brought them down and they sorted them through. And this one steer, a couple steers needed antibiotics for something. So they just made sure that they stamped them and they were not going to be labeled organic later on. But the ones that didn't get antibiotics that didn't need them are going to be labeled organic. So they're literally being fed the exact same thing, but one had antibiotics in its lifetime, yeah. which happens. Like I've had to use antibiotics for an animal that was sick. The alternative was them dying. So. Right. And yeah. And the thing about, I mean, like this can all be lumped in the organic and the antibiotics. They both mean well. Right. Right. Sadly enough, an animal spending 30% of its time on pasture is an improvement for a lot of animals. It really, yeah. Like, sadly enough, us pastured people, we look at that and we're like, this is a freaking joke, man. Right. But it's not reality for a lot of things, right? And this whole no antibiotic thing, when you look at it from the perspective of Tara and I have a farm, right? We know what needs antibiotics and what doesn't, um, and that it would be complete loss of life right? if we didn't use antibiotics. And look at the fact that, like, antibiotic residues and, you know, it's not... Uh, yeah. So... Why does it have to be so like so black and white, right? Yeah. The reason on the antibiotics is because it's addressing a problem that was started a few decades ago of Overuse. every animal on the property gets daily antibiotics. Yeah. For no, for preventative reasons. Right. And that's not okay. So it's like it's better. It still doesn't make a hundred percent sense. <laughs> right? right. But it's better than it was. Yeah. I think. Right. Again, they were drastic That's, in using yeah. antibiotics, and then they're like, whoa, we got to change. No antibiotics ever. Yeah. Let's make organics super hard to come by. Also, this is one of those things that you can't just slap onto your hamburger packets. You can't no. just slap organic on there. They're going to come after you. You have to buy that. Yeah. And it's not that. cheap. No. And it's a lot of paperwork, a lot of time. Right. If we've just like, I feel like shattered a lot of dreams that... Good news is here is that there is, and I say good news, right, I will never be happy. I'm an intolerable <laughs> human. There is an organization that's trying to make a difference. And that try, I absolutely applaud, right? Yeah. So you got to start somewhere though. Yes. Like, it's not like you can just magically have this applied. No. No. So it's the American Grass-Fed Organization. No. Or Association. American Grass-Fed Association, AGA. And they're based out of Denver and they really are just trying. So- they provide their own label. They're separate from the USDA and they provide their own label stamp that comes with a defined set of standards as well as inspections, which is why I say that this is a try. This is a lot better, right? Yeah. They're, um, if you jump on their website, which is linked in our show notes, but their main page, <laughs> they do a bit of greenwashing themselves, right? which kind of turns me off um, almost enough not to keep looking until I kept looking. Then I was like, oh, okay. They say like 100% grass diet. Well, that's not true because 
a lot of what's found in a pasture is not grass. And Here's you're not the deal: train your cow to only eat grass. Right. A lot right. of the tops of grass has grains, grains on it. Right. It's literally on the grass. Right. And if you let a steer out into the taller grass, the taller mm-hmm. grass, they're going to go straight for those tops and then strip them. Because I've yeah. seen it with my own eyes. They do. They love it. They, they're not dumb. They want the candy. Yeah, it's candy yeah. to them. So yeah, our field has a ton of like wild oats in it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there's cereal grains. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Um, they also advertise that their animals are raised on pasture without confinement. Right. I have yet to see a pastured operation without confinement. Right. Even free range. Yeah. Cows, there's fences around. Yeah. For sure. Right. There's some boundary. That's why we don't have cows running through New York City. <laughs> like, I just don't know how you would do that entirely. Right. Just sit with them, I guess. Right. Take a dog. Yeah, that's the only way. Keep them in a circle. No fences. But the dog would be classified as confinement. Confinement. Who's to Anyways. say? And then like no antibiotics or hormones, right? Here's the thing about all three of those claims. To me, the critic will read into those and be like, well, but that's not the truth because of this, right? Right. Like I just did. When you do dig into their specific regulations, it's not that black and white. Yeah. Right. They have their, their specific regulations are a lot more reasonable. Right. There's just bullet Um, points right now. Yeah. So I, there's a whole list. You guys can, are welcome. Go to their website, click, learn more about the standards. Right. And it'll pull up like a 17 page PDF that I absolutely read through. Of course you did. I was going to say that when you buy stuff from the store, there isn't any antibiotic residue in there or hormones because they have to be able to meet that withdrawal time. There's withdrawal time for right. all of them. And they're yeah. not going to risk their animals being tested and come back negative because then they're like pretty much closed down if they do have antibiotic residue or hormone residue right. in their meat. And they do right. absolutely test that at bigger places. So rest easy knowing that there's no antibiotics in your meat at the time that yeah. you purchase it. Right. A lot of people get confused about that. Yeah. Uh, um, milk too. Yeah. Yeah, they actually will mark that cow because they do absolutely test bulk tanks for antibiotics, hormones, and there's something else. I can't remember. But I think it's just antibiotics, right? Mm -hmm. And there's been times when they've actually tested their own milk and had to dump all of the tanks because antibiotics, like, somehow got into there. But they usually dump all of the milk that day. Yeah, they know. Yeah, typically. So, yeah, so I jotted down some of, like – I don't know if they're my favorite, but just things that I thought were kind of interesting about their specific requirements. For the Again, American seven, Grass-Fed yeah. Association. Association. Right. <laughs> there are 17 pages, guys, so but this is not excellent. like an all-inclusive list, but they do stress, well, it's a bad, it's a bad word. They do emphasize low-stress <laughs> handling, and they even ask for no use of electric prods. Right. So the way it's worded is like no electric pl- prods are allowed to be used unless it is for human safety, right? Yeah. Like there are... Some caveats, caveats yeah i thought that was interesting i i liked that that they emphasized the stress of the yeah. handling of the animal i thought that was important appropriate stocking rates for your land again and tara and i always say this that you're going to learn how to read your land like in chickens we can't tell you to move them every two days or right. every hour you have to read your land and know so they put it on the farmers to know that but then they inspect yeah right, too so uh pasture forage must be the base feed uh, grain crops are allowed if harvested before the dough stage, um, and silage is still allowed. Which oh, that's interesting. Guess. Right. Like corn stalks? Yeah. Fine. Wow. Right? Which you wouldn't think. Legumes? All legumes are fine. They they have a lot of like what forage is spelled out 
in their appendix. One thing that I'll um, mention, and this has nothing to do with the, the AGA. This was just a story I'd stumbled upon. But one grass-fed operation was getting around the flavor of grass-fed by finishing their cows only on carrots. Okay, that's a way to do it, I guess. They're like, it's foraged. Do they but pull I'm like, it up? Hey, it's not natural. Cows don't naturally. Yes, they do. Like freaking cows. Yes, <laughs> but they cows didn't will eat pull them. carrots. <laughs> but they didn't eat any of the carrots. They ate all the tops. Yeah, dirty bees. Um. <laughs> so, anyways, but the but the reason that this farm is doing this is because they live right next to a monoculture carrot grower. I, excellent. So excellent. I'm like, okay. So A, you're not feeding them something that's natural to cows. Right. And B, you're utilizing monoculture to do it. Yeah. But they are like prime grass-fed people. You know what I mean? They're playing 4D chess with themselves. (laughs) Yeah, they're playing greenwashing is what they're doing. But (laughs) off of the tangents, they also must be provided a maximum access to pasture. And um, they kind of specifically note this during the grazing season. And this is where, to me, there's a little ambiguity, which also there kind of has to be, right? Right. Like, if you told me that I can't feed any dried hay, that my cow has to get grass off the land for 10 months of the year, my cow would die here. Right. Because six months of the year, we have significant amount of snow cover. Absolutely. Right. I get why it's hard to just do a blanket statement, but you do something like this where it's like maximum access to pasture. Well, what the hell does that even mean? (laughs) Here's the deal. They have the inspectors, right? Yeah. So ideally all of their inspectors are operating under what would be reasonable and you have to trust that inspector to be doing a good job, which I think that might be the best that anybody could do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it is hard to do across the board. So they do have an approved list of medications um, and they do allow for, like you were saying, more marking a cow or not. And another interesting thing is the animals must be born and raised in the U.S. The kind of vein that runs through this entire program is like intense record keeping. Like every bullet point they had, like you must have records for this. You must have records for that. You have to keep your receipts for purchases kind of thing. So all of their farmers are inspected at least once every 15 month period. Um, And if you comply and pass the inspection, you get to use their label. When I came across them online, I'm like, oh, I've seen that label. I'm sure if you guys look it up, you will too, or you may already know what it is, but it is an option to give an educated customer a peace of mind. Yeah. Right. So if I'm looking for a grass fed animal and I see that in the store, and I've researched or listened to Milkmaid's podcast. Yes. I'll know exactly what that means. Right. So, we'll have to get a picture of it and post it. Yeah, we absolutely can. Yeah. So that's, you know, a lot of this stuff, man, it's you want regulation, you don't want regulation. What does regulation even look like? Right. It's And that greenwashing, it happens everywhere. Just keep an eye out for it. Yeah. And even your bath products, everything yeah. is greenwashed because some people will say, oh, this is all plant-based. Well, it has palm yeah. oil in it, which is known for deforestation. Yeah, so palm oil is horrendous, horrendous, but it is plant-based. People don't right. care if it's monoculture, if it's a plant, right? No, and like this term, if anything says all natural, just forget you ever read it. Right. It means literally nothing. Right, right. <laughs> like, I once saw soap, like it was like a soap scrubby thing labeled as all natural, and then it was 100% acrylic. Excellent. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyhow, it's a it's a deal. I think the take-home points here are if you didn't know before, you know now that right. grass-fed and grain-fed beef have a flavor difference. 
significant. Right. So investigate that for your palate. And at the end of the day, stop buying from the grocery store and find a local farmer. Right. You can or go a butcher shop. And trust. Yeah. Butcher shops are a great place because more often than not, they want fresh meat. So they're buying locally as it is. Yeah. And a lot of those, like our processor, our most local one, they just set up a retail aspect to their yeah. shop. Yeah. But each cooler, or I don't know if it's a full cooler, but um, each section of the cooler has a label. And so it's not organized that this cooler is T-Bones. No. It's organized that this cooler is ABC Ranch. Right. And I love that. And, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, and they have a little write-up on the ranch that provided that meat. So like you can still buy from a processor and buy from a ranch at the same time right. or a specific place. Yeah, anyhow. We hope this helps you. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. It turned out to be a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. Right. But fun to discuss. So until next time. Happy milking. Happy milking. Bye. Bye.